Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. I made an assumption that you have a grind when it comes to giving. And that was totally in a position of doubt and unbelief. Because here's what happens. The word of God brings about light. It brings light for me to be able to see my life and what's ahead of me. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So forgive me to assume that you just totally discredited and devalued the, the word of God. In fact, I know that you're people that are excited to hear the word of God. And when it comes to whatever subject it is, you're like, come on, preach the word because it changes my life. I'm ready for whatever God has for me to hear. So praise God. It's going to be a good day as we talk about bold generosity. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 And I don't know about you. I've come into the place of my life, and I've always been this way because I love the word of God. And I've seen God show up in my life in the area of giving and receiving. He has blessed me. And I'm walking in a new place of grace and uh, the, the, the blessings of God that I've never walked in before. And here's one of the things that for myself, whenever I hear the word of God concerning giving and receiving, I get excited. Why? Because you realize that when it comes to giving, it takes an action of faith. And regardless of whether or not you're in the custom of doing it or not, it still takes faith. Because you're always going to find some reason as to why it's not a good time to give. Especially if the Lord begins to challenge your heart in some areas. And so for me, I understand that I need to be encouraged in faith. I know that I need to hear the word of God so that I can begin to look to God and say, God, your word never fails. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, God, I know that what you did before, you're going to do again. And so I need you to move in my life, and I thank you for the word of God. Amen. So, again, say it with me, bold generosity. Bold generosity. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so, if we can, just to take a couple minutes, just to review for some of you that may not have been here, or just to kind of refresh our memory a little bit, to help set the platform for where we want to go today. If you recall when we were talking last week, and again talking about bold generosity, we said that God told us that there is an anointing that is coming upon this church for generosity and an anointing to give. And you might say, well, why is that? Why would God tell you that? 
Well, here's one of the things that we know is that in regards to this time and this day and this age in which we're living, we are in the last of the last days. And obviously, if you don't know that, go and listen to the last few weeks. You'll kind of get caught up to speed. But we're living in those days. But here's one of the things that God said. He says, in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But what causes God to pour out his spirit? It's the heart cry of his people that say, God, we want you. So if that's the case, if you recall, the Bible says, Jesus said this. He says, where your heart is, or excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if God is going to pour out his spirit in this hour in the life of the church, bold generosity automatically is going to come with it because he said where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. So if I'm hungry for God and I'm saying, God, I'm looking for your return. God, I'm ready for you to do an amazing thing in my church. That means God's doing something in my heart. And God, I just want to be generous. Amen. How many of you excited about Jesus coming? Amen. I'm telling you what, I'm looking for God to come. And man, it's one of those things that I'm just excited. In fact, uh, 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 well, I, I could get on a soapbox about that just because, man, I'm looking for Jesus to come. I'm ready. Praise the Lord. My kids are saying, we're not ready, Dad. We still want to do this and do that. Listen, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you can experience that sometime in eternity, but right now I'm ready to go. <laughs> Amen. So once again, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So once again, everything that we begin to look at in this hour needs to be looked at through the filter of Jesus' soon and coming return. Jesus is coming soon. So it causes our hearts and our minds and our, our spirits to be more engaged to, to begin to uh, uh, partner with him in this time. And obviously, people need to know Jesus. How many of you know that the message of the gospel does not cost us anything to receive, but it costs us something to send it, right? And there are people that need to know Jesus. If you don't know it by now, in this culture and generation today, we are now living in a nation that is a godless nation. There was a time where we were a nation under God and recognized the God of the Bible. That is not the culture of today. I remember when I was in California, and this is all for free, you just, you, uh, well, I've been just penned up in church for the last two days. I'm just ready to preach, all right? So you just you have to bear with me. I remember, this is probably about 15 years ago. I went to California with a pastor friend of ours, and we were in a conference, and we were in the front of the hotel, and there was this little girl. Uh, she looked Hispanic, and uh, she was one of the valets out in front of the hotel. And so as we began to talk to her, we, she's like, well, what are you all here for? We told her, well, we're ministers. And she says, oh, just kind of had a funny look on her face. And then my buddy, he said to her, he says, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're preachers. Uh, we, we minister uh, about Jesus. We, we love Jesus. He says, do you know Jesus? And she's like, no. And at first glance or at first response, you're thinking she's kidding. And he's like, you don't know who Jesus is? And she's like, No. And so we got to be able to share Jesus with her, but she did not know. And she's living in the United States of America. So what am I saying? This is the hour that people need to experience Jesus. And bold generosity is going to help us get the word out. This Genesee County needs Jesus. 
And they don't need to see a broken down, feeble, beat up church, but a church that's full of glory and full of generosity, full of love that says, this is the God in whom we serve. Amen. And so this is the hour. This is the time. And so therefore, if we're living in those days, in order for God to move, God's got to be moving in the hearts of his people. Amen. So say this with me. Say, my heart loves God. Say, my heart is tender towards God. My heart hears God. And my heart yields to God. Amen. That's the heart that God desires for us. Amen. But now, with that being said, we said this as well. And again, I'm just taking a couple more minutes to review. If you recall, we said that because of what Jesus has come to do, the Bible says that we have a covenant or a promise made to us by God. In Galatians chapter 3, it says that because of that covenant, we have the blessings of God on our life. So as a believer, you are blessed. Say it with me. I am blessed. So being blessed is an automatic thing the moment you receive Jesus. And people will often say, well, because I have a covenant with God, because I'm blessed, I don't have to be a giver because I'm blessed. And that is 100% true. You are blessed by God. And you might be saying, you know, I've got a beautiful house. It's because you're blessed. Man, I've got new cars. It's because you're blessed. And you might say, well, I did that. I worked hard for that. Well, how in the world do you think you had the smarts or the effort or the strength to do what you do to get what you got? It's because you're blessed. Amen. And so therefore, again, God has blessed us. But without the component of being a generous giver, the blessings of God can only go so far. And really, it can only go to the extent of your obedience to respond to being generous of being a tither and a giver. Can somebody say amen? And so what does that mean? Well, from the standpoint of being a giver, we're not under the law, but the Bible says that there is a spiritual law or principle of tithing and giving. And we'll look at it in just a moment, but the Bible says that when we are a tither and a giver, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out blessings that we don't have room enough to receive. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So what does that mean? That means that you can live a life beyond the blessing that you're experiencing without being a giver. It means that God can do far more in and through you and for you when you give him the legal right through your worship and honor in your giving. Does that make sense? And then it also goes on to say that God rebukes the devourer. The Bible says that in John 10, 10, the, that the devourer is the one that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And so the Bible says that when you're a giver, you are, you're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You are already blessed if you're a child of God. But the Bible says when you become a generous giver, God steps in when the enemy tries to come to steal kill and destroy now let me just pause for a moment and and just kind of participate with me just by the showing of hands at night how many of you lock your house or lock your car doors before you go to bed anybody huh 
Why do you do that? Do you do that just because you want to take precaution in case somebody's coming to steal or kill or destroy? Absolutely. All right. Uh, in, in regards to you ladies, when you go into the supermarket, do you put your purse in your, in your uh, shopping cart and go two aisles down the road or down the store and think that your purse is safe? No, what do you do? You take your purse with you, right? Well, why do you do that? Is it because you're being legalistic? No, you're just using smarts to say, I'm going to protect what I have. You staying with me? All right. And so therefore, again, I'm purposing to protect what I have from that which would come to steal, kill, and destroy. Has anybody ever lost a debit card or a credit card before? Raise your hand if you have. Now, I, I just know. I don't even have to ask you the question. I guarantee you nobody that's lost a credit card or a debit card has said, well, I'll get to that. You know, eh, just give me some time. I'm busy right now. I'll get to that. No, I guarantee you, you were on the phone calling the credit card company or the bank saying, I lost my card. Right? Well, why is it that we have the wisdom, naturally speaking, to do certain things to protect ourselves from being stolen from. But God says, I've given you a biblical principle that if you'll do this, God will step in and rebuke the devourer for your sake. But we instantly say, well, I'm not under the law. I'm not going to be legalistic and try to be a giver to get God to do something for me. Well, when you lock your house at night, do you do it out of legality or do you do it because you love your family you love your family oh you don't either you're just being legalistic you're just going over the top you know that people are just good at, and kind at heart they're not going to do anything come on quit being that way you're so silly locking your doors come on right but don't we do that when it comes to the things of god when god says hey listen i'll help you i'll bless you I want you to not get legalistic in your giving because that's not what it's about. He said, I want you to love me and worship me. And in doing so, your love for me actually is extending to love your family. And I'll step in when it's necessary. Amen. Aren't you glad that he does? All right. So in Malachi chapter 3. Let's just look at this for a moment. Some of it is, this is something that you've heard before, but I want to pause and look at it from a couple different perspectives this morning. In Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from the days your fathers, or from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now he goes on to say, but you said, if what, in what way shall we return? God says, do not rob God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Uh, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he responds and says, this is how you've robbed me, in tithe, in offerings. My glasses, please. He says, you've robbed me in tithe and offering. When you choose not to respond to the biblical principle of tithing and giving. Now, you know the scripture that says, give and it shall be given. 
Are you familiar with that? That's a biblical principle. He says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Have you heard that before? All right. Did you notice that the Bible says that when you don't tithe, you rob God? So what am I sowing? I'm sowing thievery towards God. So is it any wonder that what I sow towards God, it opens up the door to the enemy to come to steal, kill, and destroy, or to rob, or he's the devourer, right? Well, how does he have the opportunity to devour? Maybe it's because what he's come to do and to rob in my life has been the open door because it's what I've sown towards God. Are you seeing this? And so God's saying, listen, I want to bless you. I want to cause you to have much increase in your life. Amen. All right, now let's continue to look at this for, for just a minute. Let's go back and read it again. I got my glasses, so I'll read it a little better this time. It says, uh, I says um, for I am the Lord your God, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from this day, uh, for, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Do not rob God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, both, uh, but, you, but you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God responds and says, in tithe and offering. You are cursed with a curse, and you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So let's pause there for a moment. God says, test me now in this. Is God saying, put me to the test? Well, in one aspect, yes. He's saying, prove me and see that I'm not faithful to my word. But here's also what God is saying. He says, there is this line of trust and he says on this side you live life doing things according to your own abilities on this side of the line you are blessed he says but what i want you to do is step over the line and trust me now and test me now in this that if you'll begin to step over into a life of faith and live by faith and trust me that in that place is where I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings you don't have room enough to receive. It's on this side of our trust. And oftentimes people are saying, how come God does it for that one? Oh my gosh, what a wonderful story. But God, you've never done that for me. Well, maybe it's because they've lived a life of trusting God and testing God's faithfulness out of their actions of faith. Do you track it? Amen. All right. Let's continue in verse 11. He says, And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your grounds, nor shall the vines fail to bear fruit in your fields, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So, he's saying to us, Trust me with your increase. Live a life that gives me an opportunity to not just bless you, but bless you beyond 
what you can just experience in your own efforts. He also says that your giving is an extension of your heart towards God. So listen, here's one of the things that I know. That if you're a tither and a giver, it will affect your church attendance. It just will. Why? Because I've got an invested interest. If I'm a tither and if I'm a giver, it will affect the way that I serve my church. Because I've got an invested interest. Amen? Now, I said it will affect your attendance. Why? Because when I'm a giver, God, I'm needing answers from you. And many of the ways that you answer and give me direction for my life is through the preaching of the word, through the pastor that you've given me in my life. So, therefore, I can't afford to not go to church because I'm a giver and I need the blessings of increase in my life. So, God, I need to hear from heaven. I'm telling you what, there's been times where I've went to meetings in my life, where I went to sit underneath my pastor at special meetings, and there's been some times that I've actually been kind of mad going to the meetings. Because I'm like, God, I need some answers, and I need some answers now. And I know what you put on my heart to give in this meeting. And so doggone it, you better talk to me, because I'm putting a demand on the man of God that's preaching, because I need some answers. You know what I'm saying? And when I say getting mad, just meaning, God, I need some things now because things don't look the way I want them to look. I said that it will affect your serving. Well, why will it affect your serving? Because this church isn't just a building. This is my church. I mean, how many times have we walked by and saw the smear of junk on the side of the wall? Well, somebody will get that. But when it's my church, when my heart is invested and connected with my church, Man, that's my house that somebody just smeared some junk on the side of the wall. I'll get that. I'll take care of that. Why? Because that's my house. Amen. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Pastor Profeto, he made this illustration this past weekend. But how many of you would ever just let somebody walk off the street and just sit in your house? You never met them before. They just walk through the front door, sit on your couch, grab your remote, start watching your TV, go in the living room start or in the other room, start making a sandwich and sit back down and... You know, just make it like they're their house. What would you do? What do you do? I mean, I know what I'd do. They'd hear a click. (laughs) You know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying? Well, why? Because this is my house. I've invested in this house. My family's here. So you're not just going to come in here and do whatever. This is my house. Why? Because I've invested. My my kids will have a heart towards God because of my giving. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. Are you understanding what I'm saying? In fact, while we were, please hear this with the right heart. I don't know if you can hear it in any other day. Anyways, we had our conference here those last two weeks, right? Or the last two days, rather. And we served snacks and goodies and coffee. I mean, we we treated them well. And so... As we got done with the first day, and and the helpers are helping clean up and everything, there's one spot in the auditorium where there is a mess on the floor, probably six foot square round. I mean, it's just a mess. And I remember talking to the guy that was sitting there. And the mess was something that was easily just pick up. And it was a lot of stuff, crumbs and Sunflower seeds and peanuts and stuff like that. It's like stuff that's easy enough to pick up. But he just left it there. 
my first thought was, I bet you that guy's not a tither. Now, you might say, well, why would you even make that judgment? Because anybody that has a heart for the house of God and invest in the best interest of that, don't just sit there and make a mess in somebody's house and say, ah, somebody will get it. No, because they respect and honor the house of God. Does that make sense? And so God wants us to understand that he's a, he has a heart to bless us, and he just wants us to learn how to honor and worship him in our giving. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to talk a lot faster because we're almost there, right? You, you doing okay? Listen, listen fast now. All right. So here's the thing. I said that I was going to talk to you a little bit about your family and your kids, that it will show up. Your giving will show up. Why is that? Did you notice that when God begins to speak here in Malachi, he says, I'm speaking to you and your fathers have walked away the ordinance. And as a result, there's a curse on your life. And you have robbed me. Well, why wasn't he talking to the fathers? Because it was the heart of the fathers that infected the children or generations to come. Right? So therefore, your heart towards God in the arena of your giving reflects really your whole heart. And if you want your kids and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's grandchildren to know and walk with God Make the adjustment of your heart to say, God, I want to be a generous giver so that you don't look at my children down the road and they've walked away from God and that they've just totally abandoned the faith and that they have robbed God and the devourer has eaten my lineage and my heritage and my, uh, uh, my inheritance as a man of God. God, help me to set forth What's going to come in the generations to come because of my heart to give? You getting what I'm saying? Let me share a story with you how that's somewhat applicable. There's some friends of ours. In fact, you might get to meet them this year if everything goes well. But there's some friends of ours that have recently been married. They've just been married a, a few years now. But she was previously married. She was married to a very wealthy businessman. Very, very wealthy. And in the process of time, she somehow got saved. She received Christ into her life. And so she wanted to go to church, but he told her, he says, you're not going to church. And so as a result, what ended up happening, and again, because of their marriage and how things had begun to broke down, the way that I understand it is that she had a room off to one side of the house, and that was her room. And she stayed in her room a lot of the times, and that became church to her. She would go into a room, and she would start to watch ministers on tv or on the the internet rather and god just orchestrated it in the ones that she began to listen to and she began to grow and then that room began to be her church but then also her prayer closet and then she had a desire to start giving because god started moving in her heart so she started to ask her husband can i give to these ministries can i give to the church and he says you better not ever give a penny of my money to the church he says you cannot and he said or she said he watched every single penny and so she said i knew that i couldn't give because he would find out so she said but he was very generous when it came to jewelry and things of that nature so she said you know what god i'm gonna honor you and she began to send jewelry to ministries as an offering because it had significant wealth 
And she continued to grow in God. And they continued to grow further and further apart. But in the midst of her having this, uh, the, the, the marriage uh, disting itself, she started to have a dream about a man that was a minister and that he was her husband. And she woke up being greatly distressed, thinking, God, I'm not wanting to be unfaithful. I don't even know the man. I don't have desires for that man. And it troubled her. But she just pushed it aside. Well, it was just kind of a crazy dream. Well, then one day he came along and he said to her, he says, I want a divorce. I'm done. And he said, in fact, he said, I'm getting ready to sign off all the paperwork so that you will not get a penny. Your name is not on the businesses. Your, your name is not on anything that we own. I'm not giving you nothing. And shortly thereafter, before he had, to, had the opportunity to sign one dotted line, he instantly dropped dead. Now, she's a multimillionaire. Now, time continues to go on. She gets invited to go to this particular church service. She's excited. Now she can go church freely. And so, she's saying, God, I desire to have a man of God in my life that I can do life with. And she says, but God, I've been so beaten down. She says, the thing that I desire in my life, that I would find a man that would find me beautiful and desirable in my life. That's my prayer, that he would find me beautiful and desirable. And so she goes to this meeting, and she's sitting up towards the front. And this man that's a part of the worship ministry is up on the platform, and he's talking to some of the other musicians on the platform, and he sees this woman out there, and he says, hey, who's that woman? And he's like, I don't know. The man that saw her was the man she had the dream about. He says, well, hang on a minute, i got to go say hi. He gets off the platform, goes over to her, shakes her hand, and his words are, hello, beautiful. All of a sudden, her head's like, Pfft, you know. But time went on. Nothing came of that. Well, then there was another meeting. She's in the back with some of the minister friends that she ended up getting to know. And all of a sudden, at this particular meeting in a different state, he comes walking because he's doing the worship ministry. He comes walking through. They bump into one another, and here they are face to face. Imagine that. They start talking. Little things here and there, here and there start to fall into place. And here they are married today. I'm going to keep it short. You might hear their story one day. But they're married today. And the ministry influence that they have. I, I, and to be honest with you, I'm almost jealous of some of the ministry influences that she has. She's been locked up, up in her bedroom. But God has opened up doors to where she's rubbing shoulders with ministers that I've only dreamed about rubbing shoulders with. And I'm not saying that from a covetous standpoint. I'm just saying God opened up doors because she had a heart. And not only did she uh, uh, experience the, the blessings of God through her giving, her future was sealed and her future husband was down the road because she had a heart to worship and honor God in her giving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your giving is something that will begin to establish the future of your life. Your giving will set up things for your children, having a heart for God that you can't see right now. Why? Because it's the blessings of the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Bold generosity. Now, here's the thing in regards to the blessings I said to you that through the covenant that we have with Jesus, 
We are blessed. But here's the simplest definition of the word blessed. Empowered to prosper. So through the relationship we have through Jesus, he has blessed us and empowered us to prosper. Well, empowering to prosperous means that there's protocol that enables the blessing. What's the protocol or one of them? My tithing, my giving, my generosity. Amen? Remember I said that bold faith is not in the amount. Bold faith is the opportunity to respond to the leading of the Lord and just being obedient. That's being bold. How many of you know that there's always something that comes up that says this is not a good time? This is not a good time. Well, let me just again bring back to your remembrance of what it says here in the scripture of Malachi. He says this in uh, verse 10. He says, I'll pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vines or, or nor shall the vines fail to bear fruit for your fields, says the Lord. And all nations will call you blessed. So what's God say? He says, the fruit of your ground. You understand that every time there is fruit, fruit is always multiplications of a seed that was sown. So that means every time that you give, God returns it many times over. In Philippians, if you recall, and again, we get excited about this, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He says, I will supply your needs. But one of the things we forget, fail to see is that before that, he's talking about your generosity to trust him. And when you trust him, he supplies the need. Amen? In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that concerning your seed, that God provides seed for the sower. Well, I don't know that I got any seed. You got a job? Well, then you got seed. I said, if you've got a job or if there's any area of increase in your life, you've got seed. And seed is always multiplied. Amen. Now, you might say, I can't afford to be a giver. Let me ask you the question. Now, again, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of us have, so, uh, not social media, but... Uh, uh, what do you call them? Services that we pay a monthly fee on. Netflix, Amazon, Disney, Apple TV, Sirius Radio. I need that, man. I need my Sirius Radio because, man, I'm an 80s headbanger and I need my hair nation when I drive into work, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, don't judge me now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. But that's a monthly subscription. That isn't benefiting my life one bit, but it could be seed. Well, praise the Lord. You know, uh, I, I've got a coffee addiction now. I, I just did it for a treat now and then, but now it's like an everyday thing. It cost me five, seven, eight bucks for my coffee because I like my uh, almond milk, half-calf latte, smoothie with whipped cream, frap, you know, or whatever, you know, you call it. <laughs> Put a little syrup on the top right well that adds up doesn't it 
And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it or can't do it, but I'm just saying you've got seed. Well, praise the Lord. You know, everybody in my household has a cell phone. Do you know how much a monthly cell phone bill is? Not to mention all the havoc that it can create in our homes, but yet we feel it's a necessity, and therefore I can't afford to give, Pastor. You've got seed sitting there ready to be sown, and there is a harvest ready to be multiplied, but we just don't place a value on God's system or His faithfulness. And our families are the ones that are paying for our lack of trust in God. Can you say amen or oh me? You understand that what I'm saying to you is not trying to get money out of your pocket. I've said this to you time and time again. This is to try to help you find and experience the blessings of God. Amen. And as we close, I just want to bring to your attention just the guest minister that we had. We had Pastor Profeto in this past week or past week, the last two days. Now, with that being said, um, as I mentioned to you, it costs money to bring somebody in. And so as a pastor, because I am looking at the finances of the church, I'm always trying to pinch pennies, stretch a dollar, make it last till tomorrow, right? And so whenever it comes to bringing in a minister, it takes faith. And from the natural standpoint, there's often times that I'm trying to reason myself out of why to bring a minister in. You might say, well, why is that? Because it's not cheap. When you're trying to survive from week to week and just trying to trust God here and there, and then you're bringing a minister in to be a blessing to the, the, the house of God, like I said, you got hotels, you got flights, you got food, you've got the actual... Uh, 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 gift that you give the minister and i'm going to tell you this that whenever we give a gift to a minister we're not chintzy and we're not cheap because we put a high demand on the gift of god in them so i'm talking thousands of dollars because we value what they're imparting into you because you need it whether you know you need it or not and what is invested in you isn't going to necessarily show up tomorrow but it will show up in your life at some point in time because the seed never returns void and so as a pastor i'm saying Oh, this is going to be a big chunk of money. My natural man. Oh, God, this is. Woo. You understand what I'm saying? Because I can reason it out and say, God, we could put that money here. We could put that money there. We could do this. We could do that. But there's an added value to what we bring in. So here's the results of what you did as a church. We sowed into the gift that came, which was a significant financial gift. And if you want to call it burden on the church, again, I use that word loosely. But what did that do? As we stepped out in faith as a ministry, as we got beyond our emotions and our feelings to say, God, this is going to be a lot of money. We stepped across the line of testing God and said, God this will have an eternal impact. And as I've already shared with you, we invested in lives from Detroit to Saginaw. And that means that literally thousands of people have been impacted because we sowed 
and gave into the ministry gift that came and supplied us with what was needed. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm still chewing on it. God, did you know what we gave? Oh, God. That was a lot of money, God. That's my natural man. But I can't live in my natural man. Stepping across the line. God, you're faithful. You rebuke the devourer for our sake. You open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing. We don't have room enough to receive. God, you supply seed to the sower. You multiply the seed. So God will never go without. We'll never fall behind. We'll always have more than enough. In fact, we're coming up, coming over. We're increasing this year like never before because God's are faithful. Amen. That's the life we live of bold generosity. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I hope you've heard my heart. Because I want you to know that we love you and we love your families. And as pastors, there's times that we can see around the corner. We see what's coming in people's lives. And we pray that the eyes of people's understanding are opened and enlightened so that they can avoid some of those things that are around the corner. I pray that the eyes of your understanding has been opened and available to hear the word of God this morning. So that as you step out and test God, dare to believe, dare to do, you will see his promises anew. And therefore, that which is ahead for your family, for your marriage, for your business, for your retirement. God's going to do beyond all that you can ask or think. Blessings coming this year in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.